0: As we've been talking about the last couple weeks, uh, this morning is a different format than we typically do, and this is something we do a couple times. Is it me standing on this core that's making that thing? Yeah, I think it is. Um, Yeah, okay, no, all right. Um, I just wanted to see if I had that power through the rest of the gathering. (laughs) Uh, So anyway, uh, we do this a couple times a year. We do what we call Corporate Encouragement Sunday. Uh, if you are new, uh, we are happy to welcome you and make you feel uncomfortable today. Um, and, but at the same time, uh, and then I will also say, some of you are like, when we do this, I know you like say like, uh, like this is kind of always like this, do I say something? Or if there's silence, all the things like, you know, it, it can make anyone like either some people love it. Some people are like, eh, it's not my favorite. Uh, but spiritual formation following the way of Jesus is sometimes, what you love and sometimes it's not your favorite. Sometimes it's uncomfortable. And I wanna give you a vision for why we do this and uh, let's take it from scripture, why not? First uh, Corinthians 14, 26 to 33, this is the NIV. What then shall we say, brothers and sisters? When you come together, each of you has a hymn or a word of instruction, a revelation, a tongue or an interpretation. Everything must be done so the church may be built up. If anyone speaks in a tongue, two, or most three, should speak at one one at a time, and someone must interpret. If there is no interpreter, the speaker should keep quiet in the church and speak to himself and to God. Two or three prophets should speak, and the others should weigh carefully what is said. And if revelation comes to someone who is sitting down, the first speaker should stop, for you can all prophesy in turn so that everyone may be instructed and encouraged. The spirits of prophets uh, are subject to the control of prophets. For God is not a God of disorder, but of peace, as in all the congregations of the Lord's people. So Some of you are like, all right, we're doing tongues today. I, uh, I don't know. Um, I don't know that that's not true. But regardless, I want to take this and put this like in our context, because this is written to the Corinthian church. There's similar encouragements given to the Ephesians church, or the uh, church in Ephesus. And... We can read this and kind of go quickly. I'm like, okay, what did that actually look like in practice? And I have a imagination experiment. Uh, I did this a couple years ago. So if you're here, you get a second try at it. And uh, if not, then take this moment. Imagine this. If you want to close your eyes, if that helps, go for it. If you want to keep them open, go for that as well. So imagine that you are a citizen in Antioch, an ancient world. It's the largest city in the capital of the Roman province of Syria. Uh, there's temples, theaters, aqueducts, baths. You're living in a fairly thriving city of the day. And you are an indentured servitude to a merchant. And yeah, you're a slave, but you're treated well and you have a good master. If you have to take on servitude to solve your poverty issue, then things would be a lot worse. And business is good, you sell imported goods, which is going well because of the strategic crossroads that you live at is a very strong point to receive goods. You are the major north-south-east-west crossing from Europe to Asia in the Mediterranean, so all goods going from the Mediterranean, Europe going to Asia, or vice versa, come through so you get your first choice of what to sell. And you worship Roman gods, because, I mean, why not? Life is good enough and not to mention the Roman garrison that defends the area from Persia is stationed there, so it's best to support the religion of the Roman Empire. And then you meet this group uh, that you've heard of, uh, people referred to as Christians, which is a made-up word, but you generally understand it's these people who are following Christ and trying to be like Christ. And you know that they're Jews, and from the Jews that you know of locally, you know that Jews often are worshiping and waiting for a coming Messiah who's going to free them from death and all who oppress them. But these ones who are called Christians say that this Messiah has already come. In fact, he has come as a peasant carpenter rabbi from a small area, and he's coming to... He came to live, and he actually dies on the cross and crucified by the Romans and Jewish leaders. But these Christians say, hey, he's actually raised again, and now he's building a kingdom on earth of which all those in this kingdom will be like him and rise again. And this is the big thing. This includes everyone. This includes men, women, landowners, slaves, even non-Jews. And so you're skeptical of, like, a very odd religion that reflects nothing like you've seen your masters worship in the past. And so you are invited by this group for a Sunday gathering. and You figure, what the hey, why not? Sunday's a work day, so after working all day and loading and unloading goods, you meet these new Christians and meet with about 30 other people in a local house, and you start with a meal. And it's fairly simple, of bread, fish, and wine. And it's in many ways, though, like the feasts in your master's house, that you will participate only occasionally, but this, they say, they do this every week. And after the meal, some of the leaders of the church stand up and say, it's now time to encourage and teach one another. And so you look to the participants in the room, uh, or sorry, you looked at uh, uh, not just the participants, but you looked at the patriarchs, you look to the leaders in the room, but they're not the, actually the first to speak. Instead, this time, it's a woman, barely older than a girl. In fact, you recognize her. You know that she's an indentured servant at the port, and she's allowed to speak. And she says that all week, she's been singing and meditating on a hymn that she learned at the previous gathering. And she sings a little bit, and it's about how Christ, who was God, but emptied himself and became a servant, Born like man, humbled himself and becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. Therefore, God has exalted him and bestowed upon him the name that is above every name. And she says she's been reflecting on how the God she knows and serves humbled himself to be like a servant, like she is. She said she has held on to that, to serve her wicked and at times abusive master, and be obedient, saying she trusted that she would receive honor someday like the Christ did. And the leaders chime in. They say, Amen, Cassia. How true and good for us all to meditate on. That when Jesus the Christ walked with us, he regularly said that those who would be most honored in the kingdom would be the servants of all. And that those who make themselves last in this kingdom will be the first in his. Those who fight to move up and step on others to get their honor and respect and prosperity will be last. So thank you, Cassia, Yahweh's spirit has surely blessed you with the gift of true servant-heartedness. And the rest of the evening follows this pattern. Anyone and almost everyone shares. Some hymns, some of what has been brought to mind when praying for brothers and sisters, some of them publicly acknowledge the good another has done to serve them with their sick mother that week. And the leaders affirming and giving amens, occasionally asking questions and gently correcting when someone brings something before everyone. This is a reflection of what it may have looked like to be at the Sunday gathering in the early church. And it's a practice of 1 Peter 2. As you come to him, the living stones, rejected by humans, but chosen by God and precious to him, you also, like living stones, are being built into a spiritual house to be a holy priesthood, offering spiritual sacrifices accepted to God through Jesus Christ. Now, I love this verse, not just because it has my last name, but also, and if you don't know my last name, now you've got some homework to do to figure out the word. Um, But either way, it's Livingston. All right, done. All right. um, Either way, I love the concept here because it's trying to lay aside this idea that, hey, there are some people who speak for God, and some believers who listen to those who speak for God. But rather it says, no, like Joel said, your sons and daughters will become prophets. The Spirit will fall on everyone. And everyone will bring a song, a hymn, a word of instruction, a revelation, a tongue, an interpretation. And yes, there's a place and a time for those who are protecting the doctrine of the church to question or to gently redirect or even affirm an amen. But also, it's a place where we can reflect on what the spirit is doing on us or reflect on how the spirit is embodying himself through others around you in the body and speak in corporate encouragement to one another. So, I have a microphone. And Dante, up in the balcony, has a microphone. You're not out of this. And, holy moly. Is that me? Am I doing that? You don't know. Exactly, right. Okay, good. Um, And the way that we ask to participate is just to take a moment, take a breath, Listen to what the Spirit is saying. I've been telling you also the last several weeks that this is coming, and so maybe some of you throughout the week of prayer and scripture or whatever have been thinking through what you might be able to encourage in this moment. Again, it's a great time to say like, hey, this is a person who's really served me, and I just want to corporately encourage them before the body. Uh, And Dante and I will be around with the microphones, and you might chime in or affirm or amen or anything in between. if there's silence that's okay the spirit can work in silence the spirit can work in uncomfortable silence and so don't feel like anything you say needs to be profound it doesn't need to be a moment where you're like oh i clearly know these are the words but rather maybe this is just something i've been thinking on and maybe it's from the spirit and the cool thing is a lot of times when you do that a lot of times, and somebody else is like, well, that's funny, because I've actually been thinking on that too, and you might be start to see where the spirit is actually working throughout the body, not in a way you're like, oh, I had direct words come to my head, but rather I see through the makeup of the body and how this is coming around that there's something to this. i also say, too, at this, this point, we uh, shut off the feed for the online gathering and for uh, online gathering, that's a weird word, uh, the online feed and for the podcast. So this is for this moment in this room in this time. And nothing that you say can be held against you in 10 years from now. Um, so good news for that.